Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, I want to start the message out today with a quote from a Christian author named Kenneth Boat. There's no getting around it. People are motivated by rewards. There may be those who think that the idea of being motivated by an attractive reward is unspiritual, yet God has filled the Bible with promises of amazing rewards. He makes these promises to keep us from giving up, giving up hope, to inspire us to persist in the face of trouble and to persist and to stand in the face of persecution. That is the reason why God has structured his word the way he has, the way he has structured his kingdom, the way he operates with us. Amen? Amen. God certainly understands what makes us tick. Successful parents, effective leaders, good employers, all understand the human need for reward, and they make use of recognition and compensation to lift morale and to improve performance. And if you have been raised in a type of background, a church background, where you were taught contrary to this, I am asking you to please open up your heart this morning and allow the Word of God to speak to you, because there is plenty of evidence we're going to see. And my goal this morning is this. I pray that from now on, after we hear this teaching today, that when you open up your Bible, and I pray that you do often, that when you do, you're going to read the Scriptures very differently than you have been reading them before. This has opened my eyes up. When I've seen this whole concept of that God is a rewarder, and this is a basic foundational building block of our relationship with him, and more importantly, his relationship with us. Amen? He structured it this way. It is not a selfish thing for us to, to desire to position ourselves in such a place where we can tap into these rewards. It wasn't our, our, our idea. It's his idea. He structured it this way. And, and if you're not too sure about it yet, just stick with me, and hopefully in these next 20-some minutes or, or, or so, you're going to see it for what the Word says. Amen? Amen. So, in the Bible, the, the greatest chapter that demonstrates this is chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. We like to call that the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 starts out saying this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, that, that sounds like a real fancy religious way of talking. What it's saying is this. The old timers back then in the Old Testament, what was the Old Testament? The Old Testament is that time frame before Jesus went to the cross and sacrificed his life there, died, was buried, resurrected, so that you and I could come back into relationship with God the Father. So the people that lived previous to that time, we refer to as the Old Testament, okay? And during that time, there were many individuals that, that, that stood fast, that trusted God, even in the face of great ad- adversaries and great adversity, and yet they came through, and they came through successful. Not all of them saw the promises in this lifetime. Many of them, even though they did not see the promises come to pass in this lifetime, they still stood. They still held fast. They still trusted God. And so that entire chapter, and I pray that, that someday you'll take the time, maybe this afternoon when you go home, uh, take some time, read Hebrews chapter 11, because it is a real faith builder. Amen? So what it's saying here is the way those people lived has stood out as an example to us. Amen? And we're to learn from those examples. Now, 
I want to read to you from verse 11 of that chapter. It talks about Sarah. You remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. They were very, very old. And all of a sudden, after years and years and years, never been able to conceive, suddenly, as God spoke the promise to them, within that next year, we find out that Sarah brings forth Isaac. And the, and the whole promise of God has been completed. Amen? But look what it says in verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And as a result of believing that God would keep his promise, the reward was, look at verse 12, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. We know that the modern day nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, came about because Abraham trusted God. God made a promise that he would have his own child, and through that child, eventually would come the Messiah, and eventually would come this great nation. And it came to pass, because this one man and his wife trusted God. Amen? So we see that this trust factor is extremely important. And I don't want you to ever diminish the importance of what it is like to trust God. Don't ever, don't ever count it lightly, or, or, or as unimportant, or insignificant. It's, think about it this way. And here's, here's one of these basic building blocks of the faith that I pray that you establish very strongly within your heart and hold on to it. All God the Father has ever wanted was that his children would trust him. That's all he's ever wanted. You see this theme all throughout the word of God. All he's ever wanted was for us to trust him, for his creation to put their faith in him. Now if you think about it, in the case of Adam and Eve, they trusted God when they were originally created. We don't, know how long the, we don't know how long this whole incident in the Garden of Eden when it took place from the time that they were created. We know from Adam's time. We know that Eve was created after Adam, but we don't know how many, how many hundreds of years might have gone by when they established this track record of trusting God. And all of a sudden, one day, this voice comes. The, the liar, the deceiver, the manipulator. And he'll always come to try to put, put a seed of doubt in your heart and in my heart. And in this case, unfortunately, Eve fell for it. She fell for it, pretty much convinced her husband to fall for it. And so when they, when they ate of that fruit, and whatever it was, when they partook of that which they were not supposed to, and they came into a different level of knowledge with God, that was the biggest incident of betrayal that has ever taken place in the history of mankind. They literally, I want you to see it this way because you need to see it for the significance and for, for how, how, um, how bad this was, how life-changing this was for all of mankind. They literally took the trust that they had in God and took it from him and placed it in the devil. That's a big deal. So ever since that time, God has been trying to get us to the place where we will take that trust back and place it in him. To the point that he was willing to go so far as to send his own son to this earth, amen, the one and only he would ever have, and allow him to go to the cross, to be nailed to that wood, to be brutalized, to be tortured, to suffer tremendous pain, tremendous suffering, not only here in the natural realm, but then once he died, he went into hell and suffered there also. 
all to prove to us as mankind, as if he was to gather all of mankind together and say, what else can I possibly do? I have proven my, my, my love for you. I've proven how, the lengths that I'm willing to go to. Will you now put your trust in me? That's why it's such a big deal, and we need to always make sure that we place the emphasis where it belongs. And when one of us, when a human being does take that trust away from the enemy and brings it back and places it in God the Father, and then hooks up with God, and through that we receive salvation. That is a big deal because it is a vindication of God's trust being reestablished in Him. Amen? Amen? Don't ever lose that. Hold on to that for the rest of your life. I pray that. So, these people, and you read them all in this chapter 11, all these different individuals in the Old Testament, we're still talking about them. We're still reading about them. They're still famous. Their memory hasn't just faded off the scene because of their trust in God and because of their faith in God. After all these thousands of years, we're still talking about Abel. We're still talking about Abraham. We're still talking about Sarah and all the others that are listed there. Remember that. So, I am calling this message God's Reward Program. I looked that up, I Googled it, and oh my God, the long list included everything from Starbucks all the way to your energy bills. And everything in between, and all types of different rewards. You know, rewards for flying the plane. You know, you, you, you get your miles, and so you, you can fly on a plane and go to a destination, maybe a, uh, at a reduced rate or possibly for free. And then when you call up and you try to make the arrangements, so we, we, it's not available that week. You know, it's only available on the week uh, starting in February the 30th. So, uh, yeah, you, you got that, right? And so the other credit cards, you know, you walk through the mall, you know, you go through, through one of, the, one of the, the stores in the mall, you're walking through the mall, you hear people say, you know, use this card, you know, use this one, because you know you get cash back. Yeah, so they're going to give you a stinking 1.5%, 2% back. Meantime, you spend 98% on something you didn't need, <laughs> because you're going to get money back from that card. You know what I'm talking about? But, but you see, every one of those reward programs, no matter whether it's from a cup of coffee to your electric bill, Every one of them has one thing in common. They require your cooperation. They require you to use that card. They require you to participate in that program. Are you, are you listening? Yeah. And, and having studied the Bible, I understand now where they got this concept from. Now, God offers us real reward. It's not flash in the pan. It's not some kind of hype thing. It's real, true, life-changing rewards. Amen? But I want you to see this concept because when we see this concept and we start to participate in this concept and we start to allow it to become our lifestyle, the way we live, we reap the benefits of those rewards. Settle this in your heart, church. When you are doing without something that God has promised, you can be guaranteed it is not his fault. The Bible says that he's already put his yes and his amen on every promise that he made. When Jesus went to the cross, he suffered and died and shed his blood, that blood pretty much gave agreement to every promise that God has made. However, you've got to position yourself for that promise. For instance, we have a promise from the Father that when we'll put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the fact that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and for my sins, when we position ourselves that way, what do we receive? Salvation. Now, for a person who goes through their entire life resisting 
the gospel, resisting the Lord Jesus, resisting. Come to church, sit through the time when everybody else is praying to receive Christ and just sit there going, I'm not gonna say it, I'm not gonna say that prayer, I don't believe this, I don't believe this. That person is going to forfeit eternal life, not because God decided he didn't like them or because God wanted to take vengeance upon them, but it's because that person refused to position himself or herself to receive the rewards of that promise. You see that? God doesn't send anybody to hell. A person sends themselves to hell. God did everything possible to give an opportunity for us to, to get out of that, off of that path, and get onto the path of salvation. It operates that way with every other promise in the Word of God. Are you listening to me? So, I'm proposing to you today that in every place in our lives where we have a need, every place of our life where we may be suffering lack or, or, or a damage in our hearts, and I'm talking about emotionally, there is a promise that's made to us that when we position ourselves in that promise, we will reap the rewards that God has promised. Amen? I already mentioned this to you. When we trust Jesus as Savior, we receive salvation. When we trust, the reward for trusting Jesus with our health is healing. Why? Because he paid on the cross for our healing. He purchased it for us. The reward for trusting Jesus with our finances is provision. And just et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you're getting the point. Every area of life where you are suffering lack right now is covered by a promise from God. If you'll position yourself to qualify for that promise, you will reap the reward. It's all throughout the word of God. Amen. Look at, I want you to, to, to just share this with me. Uh, I, I should say it this way. I want to share it with you because I came across Psalm 31 and especially in the New Living Translation. And man, when you get a chance, please read it all when you go home because these verses jumped off the page. Look at this. Look at verse 19. Start to train yourself now. Listen, look at me. Look at me. Start to train yourself now to see this concept throughout the word of God because it is a principle by the way the kingdom operates. Look at this. Verse 19. How great is the goodness, so the promise here is goodness, right? How great is the goodness you, God, have stored up for those who fear you. So who was this goodness stored up for? But who, was it to, who, who qualifies for this? For those who fear God. Now what does it mean? They were just so, God, I'm so afraid of you, I just want to be in presence. That's not the Hebrew concept of fear as it speaks about God. What the concept is this, that we hold him in high esteem that we place him in a position of honor in our lives, that we would not want to do anything that's going to affect that relationship that we have. Are you listening? That we would hold him, and here's, here's a word that we don't use too much anymore, though we've made another word out of it, that we would hold him in awe. Have yeah. you, you ever been awestruck? Have you ever seen something? Maybe you traveled to some place across the country and you, you see this tremendous scenery, and it literally takes your breath away. That's what that's talking about. So it's saying here, <clears throat> excuse me, how great is the goodness? Now, what's the goodness of God? The goodness of God is the grace of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God, being in right standing, being in right relationship with God. How great is the goodness that you have stored up? So this tells me it doesn't come automatically. It's stored up. For who? For those who hold him in that place of esteem. For those who hold him in that place of honor. For those who are awestruck by the fact that he took you out of the garbage heap that your life was, and he plucked you out of that garbage, and he took you and put you in a place of right standing with him, and that place of right standing gives you the opportunity to be able to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt, without any sense of condemnation. That should be important to us, amen? amen. 
Now let's go on. Verse 20 says this, you hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. Which one? The person who fears God. It starts out, I'm sorry, I didn't finish verse 19. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Have you ever been in a situation where you know that, that the enemy, the devil himself, has riled up a group of people against you? Now, you know your fight's not with those people. Your fight is with that spirit behind them that has riled them up, so they start speaking against you. They start coming against you. They start taking action against you. God says if you'll stand and position yourself in that place, will you hold me in awe? Will you, you have a godly reverence and fear for me? I will protect you from those accusing tongues. Amen? Verse 23, let's skip down to verse 23. Love the Lord, O you godly ones. For the Lord, here it comes, here's the promise. For the Lord protects, and here comes the qualifier, those who are what? Loyal to him. Do you see it now? Do you see the concept? There's a promise, there's a qualifier, there's a reward. Are you catching this? All right? So where was I? Verse 23, love the Lord your godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. Verse 24, so be strong and courageous, which ones? Who's going to be strong and courageous? All who put your what? Hope in the Lord. This is powerful stuff because there's many of us that are going through things right now. Stuff has come at you. Life keeps happening. Challenges keep coming. Battles keep presenting themselves. And unfortunately, some people resist them. You know, I'm just going just to sit here just because God knows where I am. He knows what I need. Yeah, he knows who you are. He knows what you need. And that's why he's giving you this method of attaining what you need. For you to just sit there and think it's going to drop out of heaven, just, just, just going to drop out of heaven, does not happen. No more than salvation just dropped out of heaven. You needed to do something to receive salvation. Now, you couldn't earn it. You couldn't purchase it. You can't bargain for it, but you can't position yourself for it. Are you catching this? Everything in the kingdom of God operates by this principle. Man releases faith. God releases grace. Are you catching this? Don't, don't, don't drift away from the very principle of salvation. Everything operates the same way. You catching this? All right. I'm trusting that you are. Psalm 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall, this is us talking to God now. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And then in response we hear, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not follow you. Look at verse 10. This is so important. I want you to really catch this and catch a hold of this. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who what? Trusts in the Lord. What happens to that person? Mercy shall surround him. Oh my God, is this so important? You see what happens sometimes, especially with the Psalms, we read them because they sound like poetry and they sound so nice and we just read them. But it just sounds so good. Sounds so, and then we forget of the powerful principles that are revealed in the Psalms themselves. Amen. This is powerful. Now if you read the context of this Psalm, the context of this Psalm is written to the person that is caught in sin. I know that probably never happens to anybody in this room, but there are some people who stumble who struggle, you probably know some of them, okay? So, so you're gonna learn this today so that you can take it to them, right? Because it's one of those messages where you say, man, I wish so-and-so was sitting next to me. Man, I wish this person was sitting next to me. So you get up here, you start texting, oh man, you missed it today, you should've been to church. But it's never for you, okay? 
Now watch this. Now follow me. Follow me here because I believe we're going to learn a very, very powerful principle here today. When a Christian, when a believer, when a Christ follower stumbles and falls in sin, it is extremely different than when a person has never put their trust in Christ. Okay? Why? Because you see, the same devil that tempted you and coaxed you and convinced you to step into something that you know deep down inside you got no business being involved in. That same devil, once you fall, once you participate, once you jump into this thing, whatever it is, is the same one that will turn around and accuse you then and say, look at you, what kind of a Christian are you? And then what happens is this, the guilt and condemnation and the remorse comes, and if you don't know how to process that, and if you don't know how to handle that, that will not only drain the life out of you, but here's what the most dangerous thing about that is. If you don't get rid of that guilt and condemnation, if you don't trust the Lord in the midst of that sin, and this sounds so contrary, but listen to me. If you do not trust the Lord in the midst of that sin and allow him to surround you with mercy, what ends up happening is that feeling of guilt, that feeling of hopelessness, that feeling that you're worthless, you did it again, you fell again, you swore you'd never do it again, and there you are, you did it again. That same pain and guilt will cause you to go right back into that same cycle again in a very short period of time. Because now you're trying to get away from the pain. Because the devil's going to kill you. You betrayed Jesus. You look at He died for you and you're still sinning. And that, that pain and that guilt and that thing will become a horror in your life. And in order for you to escape that feeling again, because now you're not bringing it to the Lord, you're, you're, you're dealing with it yourself, will cause you to go right back into another cycle of sin again. Are you catching this? But what happens? Watch this. Now, in the middle of the sin, middle of the sin, let's put it this way. You see, when you sin before you come to Christ, it's like, that's all you do is you're a sinner. You sin. Sinners sin, fish swim, birds fly. It's just nature. (laughs) But when you have put your trust in Christ and now you've transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, all of a sudden now, your spirit knows the inside, ah, we should not be getting involved in this. And so we override it, we get involved in sin, but what happens then? See, see, the way the Lord wants us to handle this, he's attaching mercy to trusting in him. But you and I both know, when you're in the middle of sin, the hardest thing to do is to trust God. In fact, you want to run from God. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did, right? They didn't run to God, they ran from God. Why, they were afraid to face him. But God in his love, that he's committed to us before the universe was was created, that love draws us. And if you'll be courageous enough, and if you will trust God enough, even in the midst of the sin, and you will trust him and say, Father, I, I did this. I, I know I did this. I know I had no business doing it. I had no business getting involved in this. I, I'm, I'm, I may have opened up the door for the enemy, but all this other stuff. I'm sorry you said that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just, not only to forgive me, but to cleanse me from all the junk that I picked up while I was out there. So now, Lord, I know that I've sinned, but I also know that I'm forgiven. And because of that, even in the midst of this, I'm still not out of it, but even in the midst of this, I say what you say about my situation, not what the devil says. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you listening to me? What does that mean? I have been placed. This is what you got to say. Even in the middle of sin, in the middle of sin. I got to say this. Father, I did sin, but... You have chosen me. Even with the sin, you chose me. You love me. 
Your love is not gonna disappear from me because of what I just did, okay? So, because you, Father, apart from my works, apart from my conduct, apart apart from my deeds, you have chosen me, and you have taken me, and you have placed me in a position of right standing with yourself. So yeah, I sinned, I did, I'm not gonna deny it. However, your word says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for me that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you catching this? Say, I don't know, that's difficult. Yeah, it might be very difficult the first couple of times to do it because, you know, you may sin more than once. You catch that, right? Okay. So so maybe the first few times it's going to be like, oh, I've got to force myself with everything I have to make this declaration. Why? Because you're not going to feel forgiven. You're not gonna feel righteous. But let me tell you something. Our salvation has nothing to do with our feelings. It has all to do with what we believe. Are you catching this? So when you trust the Lord, you don't think he knew you were gonna sin? You don't think he knew what you were gonna be involved with? You don't think he knew how you were gonna fall? Of course he did. But he still chose you. So in the midst of that, you rise up and go, yeah, I messed up. But you know what? Didn't change my position with my Father in heaven. Let me tell you, you know what that does to the devil when he sees a a child of God make that declaration in the middle of sin? It is like when the water got thrown at the witch in the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) He hates that because he knows what guilt and condemnation can do to a believer. Are you catching this? So, the qualifier is, are you going to trust the Lord? Yeah, I hope you're saying yes. What's the reward? Mercy. Mercy, look, look, I love the way it says, mercy does what? Surrounds me. Surrounds me. Praise God. So, Psalm 34, let's move on. Let's look at another one. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me. what's, What's the condition here? What's the qualifier? Seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. Simple. We read this and it goes, simple thing. God's showing us. Look, if you'll seek me, I'll hear you. And if I hear you, what's going to happen? And he delivered me from what? All my fears. So many people are suffering from fear today. So many people suffer from anxiety. So many individuals, I've never seen so many people having to go on medications for anxiety and stress and all this stuff. And trust me, my heart goes out to you because I used to suffer from panic attacks. Disastrous panic attacks. I know, what that feel, I know how real that is. But you know what? You know what got me out of it? And this is, no, this is not, I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody. If you need to take medication, take your medication until you find this way with God where you can get out from underneath that. I had to trust God. I had to seek God. I had to force myself to walk through the church doors. I would want to vomit in the parking lot. I'd want to have every excuse not to go in. But I also knew this. When I, this I knew this. When I walked through the door of that little church, this thing is going to lift off of me. And every single time, man, I'd walk, as soon as I'd step over that threshold, it would go. I sought the Lord, and he what? He heard me. And he did what? He delivered me from all my fears. Verse five says, they looked to him, talking about us, and were radiant. Our faces were not ashamed. Verse six, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. What did the poor man have to do? Cry out. And the Lord did what? 
heard him. Now, if the poor man didn't cry out, if the one in verse four there that did not seek the Lord, would there be deliverance from fear? No. No. He t- why don't we just do it? He tells us, listen, if you do this, you can expect this. Why do we get so stubborn? Why do we get so resistant? I don't understand it. Maybe it's because we haven't seen this concept. The angel of the Lord encamps around who? Come on, guys. The angel of the Lord encamps. Is it a good thing for the angel of the Lord to encamp around us? You better believe it, because one angel in one incident in the Bible killed 185,000 troops. So I'd say having an angel of the Lord encamp around you, good thing. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that angel stands there with a sword in his hand, ready to wipe out anybody that comes against me. I'm not talking about human beings. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the enemy. So the angel Lord encamps around who? Those who what? Fear him. And he does what? Delivers them. This is a no-brainer. Hold God in esteem. Hold him in a place of honor. Don't treat him lightly. Don't treat him like he's, he's just another thing you pull out on Sunday and put him back in the closet for the rest of the week. And what will happen? The angel of the Lord, he camps around us. And he does what? He delivers him. You catching this? Oh, taste and see the Lord, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who does what? Trust in him. So what's the promise? Blessing. What does a person do? Well, how do they position themselves for the blessing? Trust in him. Oh, fear the Lord, O you saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hungry, but those who do what? Seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You have lack in your life? Start seeking the Lord. Start letting him speak to you. Let him deliver you. The reward for all these things is deliverance, is mercy, is confidence that you're you're protected by God. You're shielded from all that he could possibly, uh, all all that could possibly come against us. Let me give you this personal illustration, okay? And I'm gonna give you one more scripture and then we're done. 1997, May of 1997, we're scheduled to graduate from Rama Bible Training School, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was coming to the end of the two years that we were there. We had sold a business here in town in order to go to Bible school. That business was paying us on a monthly basis, okay? In May, excuse me, of March of 97, just a few months before we were supposed to graduate, come back to New Jersey, start this church, the person who we sold the business to decided they were gonna um, take the step and stop paying us. So now all of our finances get cut off. We had worked little part-time jobs, but trust me, back then, you didn't make any money at all. So we have four kids to support, house to live in. They had gotten this habit of eating. Uh, it was kind of convenient to live in a house that had a roof on it. You know, those little conveniences. And so we're facing this, this disaster here. You know, we're just a few months from graduating. Actually, our children were in Christian school, private schools. How are we going to pay this tuition? How are we going to finish paying our tuition? How are we going to pay our rent in the house? How are we going to, how are we going to buy food? I said to my wife, I don't care what happens. I recognize a principle here at work. You see, just like there's principles in the kingdom of God, there are principles in the kingdom of the enemy. And there's a principle in the kingdom of the enemy It goes like this. If he can kill something in its birthing stage, he won't have to deal with it when it's full grown. 
Now watch this now. He tried to kill Moses when he was a baby so he wouldn't have to deal with Moses when Moses is an adult. He tried to kill Jesus when Jesus was a baby so he wouldn't have to deal with the Jesus full grown. I said to my wife, this is the same thing that's trying to happen. If, if the devil can kill this church before it starts, he won't have to deal with it when it's full grown. I said, so we're making a commitment. If we have to sell everything we own, we are going to finish Bible school. We are going to continue, and we're going to go back to New Jersey, and we're going to start this church. So now the next morning, I go to class, and I'm sitting in class, and I don't know how this happened. Somehow or another, somebody had given me this little Bible, like a tiny little pocket Bible, and, and, and it was an amplified version Bible. And, and I'm just, you know, you, you, know, you make those, those decorations of how you're going to stand in faith, but your head is still buzzing, like how this is going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Okay, because we make the confessions from here by faith, but your head's going, mm, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> so the next morning I get into class and, and, and I find this Bible. I'm like, where did this come from? It's, it's in my briefcase that I'm taking with me to class. And I open it up and it opens up directly, right immediately to Hebrews 13.5. Amplified. You got to read in the Amplified. Listen to this and then we're going to close. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethic, uh, ethical. Be content with what you have for he has said. Here's what I want to get to, what he has said. I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without hope. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper in time of need. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And I'm telling you, when I read that scripture, I went, that is it. He will by no means, he will not, he will not, he will not by any means forsake us, relax my hold on you. When I read that, relax my hold on you, I could picture God just grabbing me by the back of my shirt and just saying, stand up, I'm with you, you're coming through this thing, you're gonna go finish what I called you to do. And let me tell you something, it was like a switch started going off in the realm of the spirit. All of a sudden, checks started coming in from people over here in New Jersey that didn't even know what was going on. Our manager at the store that we worked in, the supermarket, came up and said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like I need to give you a check to help you pay your tuition. I went to the school where my kids were going to school and I talked to the administrator and I said to him, listen, here's the circumstance, I bought our bank books, I bought everything, I bought the paperwork, I tell them, look, I don't want you to think I'm scamming you, but we don't have the money to pay the tuition. They only have two more months of school, please, please let my kids finish school here. I don't want to pluck them out. We're going to be leaving in a couple of months, going back to New Jersey. He said this to me. He said, we have recognized the hand of God on your family from the first day we met you. You go finish what God's called you to. You don't have to worry about your children. We're not going to put them out of the school. They will finish. We won't take any tuition from you. He said, and when you, in the future, when God begins to prosper you, if you want to send something back, send it back. Well, guess what? Everything started to happen. The evidence is here. We finished, we graduated, we came back to New Jersey and started this church. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you will, I know there are many of you right now that are going through things today. I realize there's some of you that have been going through things for years and years and years, and you feel like, is it ever going to stop? Trust God. Make your stance in him. Take that, position yourself for him to, un, to just release those rewards and you'll see the change in your life. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. 
If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.